Welcome to Hope Ahead, a journey of infertility. My name is Naomi Ripstein. And this is Ryan Ripstein. And this is our story and struggle of trying to conceive. We hope and pray that by sharing our experiences and trials, we will bring glory to God, awareness to infertility, and also be encouraging to others. And just a reminder, this is our story and it personal experiences. We are not offering medical advice. Well, we hope you enjoy the discussion and thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode five of Hope Ahead, a journey of infertility. Uh, today, we'll get into RE results, reproductive endocrinologist results that we kind of dropped off with last time. Uh, but we're going to start with an opening prayer and then we'll get into it. Dear God, thank you for today and thank you for this opportunity you've given us uh, with this podcast. Uh, thank you for the for those that you have led to listen in. And we just ask that this would be a blessing to them and to honor you as we get into this discussion and uh, just the future episodes as well. Thank you for my wife. Amen. Amen. Um, and just in that prayer, it was interesting. So we just once again want to reiterate all the support that we have received. Mm -hmm. um, thank yeah. you so much for everybody that has subscribed and liked and started listening to us on Apple and Spotify. Um, we are all over the U.S. pretty much now, yep. uh, multiple locations. And our farthest, um, I guess, subscriber yeah. and download has been in Belgium. So shout yeah, out so to you. Thank you for... Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. All the way... Great. Uh, it, making us international. I know. Yeah, you thanks made it for that. Officially international as of last week, so that's yep. awesome. Um, so this episode, like Ryan had started off with, with, so we ended the last episode with four saying that we, you know, we had to go to a fertility clinic because that's where um, the OB suggested since Clomid wasn't successful. So we went in, talked to him about what we our hopes were and everything, and they had kind of told us that we were at about a 10% chance of conceiving on our own, but with IVF, mm -hmm. we were going to go to 60 to 65. Right. Um, but they wanted to do a bunch of blood work, the vaginal ultrasound. Um, they looked at semen analysis, but, which right. we had already had yeah. from before, but they looked at that and said they didn't need anything else. Okay. But they did take blood from both of us for genetic testing, looking for anything mm -hmm. that would be caused for future miscarriages, um, troublesome births, different things like that. Um, so we did the blood work and we were waiting for those results. So we got them back and thankfully everything was right. great. Thankfully and maybe a little bit of frustratingly, yeah. everything is good. Um, like we've talked about, right? Yeah. It's just kind of right back there. And, you know, they do have those certain levels um, or what are considered normal out in the real world versus what would be considered good or normal in the fertility world. Right. So especially from on a female perspective, like they do look to see like, you know, in the real world, like your thyroid should be between one and four, but for the fertility world, it should be between one and 2.5. Yes. So getting all these results back, looking at all these things, I fell into normal or better than normal for a lot of those categories, yeah. except for my prolactin. Yeah. So. And I think I will add, too, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, that we get frustrated with being told everything is normal and everything should be easy and these kind of things. And, you know, we and joke we, about that. We are grateful. We're, that really but we're grateful yes. that there's not problems. And we don't mean to be dismissive of People that those that are going yes. through infertility exactly. issues that are that. 
Right. So I don't want it this to sound like that. Our personal but experience it's the, again. Yeah. But it, it, you know, so wanted to acknowledge that. But you know, being, I don't know what's worse, right? I mean, yeah. Because we're experiencing this, this is what we know, and this is bad. Right. Um, but yeah, just being told that everything is fine and mm -hmm. shouldn't be an issue, and then it's been four years now, right, yeah. that we're covering. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I did want to just kind of throw that out there that we're not. We joke about it uh, because what else can we do yeah, <laughs> to yeah. then joke about it? The awkward joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but our hearts do go out to those that yeah, are that really. are dealing with Agreed. actual problems. So. Agree. You're able well, to kind of try to problem solve it a little bit more than maybe we are that when they can't yeah, find anything. The unknown but is, it's yeah. still very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had some friends yeah. to where they've navigated that, and it was very difficult on them too because now you do know you have a problem, but what steps you go through. That's right. It, so and yeah. it's probably, I would imagine, a little bit scarier too. It can be. Because for, sure. for us, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of necessarily. Right. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. kind of a little bit of a tangent there. So. Yeah, no, it's okay. I'm glad you stayed there. Yeah. Um, so like I said, the only thing that was slightly off for me was my prolactin. Um, it was at 34.6, and if you've ever had this done, you should be at less than 23. Um, and the reason, you know, and they, they weren't concerned about it. The office wasn't concerned about it unless it's over 50. And the reason prolactin is, could be a possible negative is that is the type of hormone that is released when you are breastfeeding. Um, and so that's kind of one of the safety nets your body produces to tell your ovaries not to not, ovulate. So, so you don't get pregnant again. Right, right. Okay. As you're nursing a newborn or everything. Interesting. So, um, so I was kind of wondering, I was like, well, it's not overly elevated but slightly is is this hindering something mm -hmm. um and we did talk to the clinic then through the portal you know that's kind of seems to be the best way to communicate with somebody's office but it does make it sometimes a little impersonal but it mm -hmm. is fast right you do mm -hmm. get a fast result from that um but when i communicated with the nurse and or maybe she even reached out first um from the nurse at the re um she was like yeah the doctor said everything is great. You know, your numbers are good. Let's go ahead. We want to get you started on birth control and we can get you set up to do the retrieval. And I was like, what? Like, Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely comfortable with this process just yet. Yeah. Um, so because of that, there was one last test, at least that I was aware of in my, um, in my brain to do, which is called a hysteroscopy, which is where you are put under sedation. Um, and they essentially send a camera up through your uterus and they look around the internal endometrial lining and everything. They look into your tubes. Sometimes they'll do like a little, I think most of the time they do a little biopsy to check the tissue to make sure things are good. But they look for like fibroids, scar tissue, okay. um, different things like that that could be present that could be affecting implantation. So... I had asked for that because I was like, that's the last thing really for them to make sure everything was good. Since I had that miscarriage back in 19, I didn't know if I had scar tissue from there. I mean, it was pretty traumatic for me. Like if you listen in episode two, um, where I lost a big chunk of tissue, um, which I believe was my endometrial lining, you know, so I didn't know I mean, mm -hmm. better to be safe than sorry. Um, but this was also a good turning point too for, um, we had kind of started getting plugged into a small group at our church and um, the leaders, they were a sweet couple, they had started sharing a little bit of their journey. And so mm -hmm. I connected with the wife um, of the lead couple and just 
checked in with her about like her journey that they had been going through. And she had recently just had a hysteroscopy. So I was able to kind of like, you know, touch base with her, what had happened, what to expect, different things like that. And she was really my first in-person local um, contact that I had to go through with this journey. So Mm -hmm. it really was a blessing in that sense of starting to open up a little bit because I didn't even fully tell them everything. They just had shared their story. And I was like, so you've been struggling, you know, could I ask you guys some stuff and which they were great. Mm -hmm. And we really bonded over that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of ties back to kind of what we've talked about all the way through of this topic being kind of not talked about until somebody dares to bring it up. And then it's kind of like everybody knows about it and everybody's experienced it. Yeah. Everybody has that, you know, so it's one of those things of like, if you just are courageous enough to To talk about it, to bring it up in a trusted group of people, the odds are you're going to find some others that can, that can go alongside. Whether they've personally gone through it or not, they'll know a friend or another family member or something because it is um, around a lot more than we realize. Like I didn't even realize until we've gone through this, how much um, it affects people and couples on the day to day. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, you know, we really bonded through this. I said, like with the, um, my friend through our small group, um, the doctor agreed to do the hysteroscopy, thought that was fine, but because of our insurance, which is a blessing in disguise, our insurance wanted the actual doctor that wanted me to get the hysteroscopy to do it. So they had multiple doctors on staff that could do it at different locations, but because mine insurance one is specifically our doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had to get pushed until beginning of October. So we, we found out about the blood results shortly after in August. So now we were waiting until this October. So during that time, um, I got started on birth control because they want to make sure obviously that if they're going to be doing this procedure, they want to kind of control the elements. And so they want to make sure you're not going to get pregnant during this time. Yeah. And that was a little, hard to swallow, you know, in the sense of like, I'm trying to get pregnant. Why are you putting me on something that's going to prevent me from getting Mm -hmm. pregnant? But they do do it in a sense to like help regulate your hormones and Mm -hmm. also just for like a safety factor. Mm -hmm. But I do think now, and this is, you know, in retrospect, but like, I like to be in control, but when they do something like this and they're taking the control and for some people that works great for them. Some women are like, do that. Tell me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm a little resistant, obviously, yeah. but for some people, they're like, nope, we're going to start you off on this path. This is what you're going to do. And we are going to time this out. Yeah. So that's, that's why they do it. Um, yeah. and in the back of my mind too. So, um, we got pregnant initially in 2019, um, two months after coming off of birth control. And so I knew like, you know, things surge and your body gets regulated and everything. So I was kind of hopeful getting back on birth control that Mm -hmm. maybe it would kind of trick my body again. And so get on birth control for a cycle or so and then get off of it. And then then maybe. Yeah. 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 So um, I I definitely had, like I said, the control factor. But I was like, oh, this you're taking away the control, but maybe this will help in another way. Um, So we had the procedure scheduled for the beginning of October. Um, and Ryan, of course, had to take me. It was downtown at a clinic and we, 
It was scheduled for eight, so we had to arrive about 5.30 just because they had to get everything prepped and ready. And they had, once again, several people in the, mm -hmm. even in the waiting room when we got there. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that was bad about this experience is I had a really snooty nurse. Mm -hmm. And she must, I was trying everything I could do yeah. to get her to smile because she was just not having it. And maybe she, she's not a morning person, she, maybe, having a bad day or you something. Know, she, right? And that's what I tried to keep in perspective because, yeah. but I'm like, she's very rough putting in my IV because they give you an IV for fluids. Um, a lot of my questions, she was very short with me. And that's when I was trying to joke her out of it. Eventually, I think I got her, maybe she might have done a half smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was really like, oh man, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, um, so you're given fluids for IV. I'll kind of just talk you through some of the things if you need to get a hysteroscopy or whatever. Um, they give you, set you up that way so that, you know, your body is prepared for when you get the anesthesia. You're given a Zofran, which is for nausea because anesthesia normally can make people nauseous. Mm -hmm. um, and then like, you know, and obviously you undress and everything. And I think, I don't know if I had to do anything super cleansing wise and stuff like that too. I know that they, um, did sanitary things just to make sure there was no chance of infection or whatever, mm -hmm. whenever they did the procedure. But, um, Ryan was then able to come back and see me after I got in my gown He's in my birthday suit. But, um, <laughs> the anesthesiologist then came back and talked to me and even my RE doctor came back and talked to me and they were both very nice, very encouraging. They answered all my questions. So it totally dismissed the snooty nurse and even the surgical nurse that came and got me to take me back to the operating room was super friendly. Um, and I remember just kind of climbing on the table, kind of getting in position. And then they like, you know, they're like, okay, I'm going to put this mask over your face. I want you to count backwards from 10. And I got to like seven and I mm -hmm. went out. That's the last thing I remember yeah. was seven. Um, I think that's what most people get. To. Really? I yeah. feel like it it's pretty fast. seven plus or minus one. Okay. They never get to zero. Yeah. They yeah. never get to one. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing I remember is I was being woke up by a staff uh, member, and I kind of sat up all of a sudden because I was like, what? What do you need? Yeah, something's And she's drawn. like, it's okay. Yeah. She's like, you're just waking up from surgery. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm, at the time, I since, <laughs> since then, I, I had LASIK surgery, but at the time, I wore glasses and contacts, and I, you can't wear your contacts in for surgery. So I couldn't see, and I was like, feeling around like where's my glasses and she handed them to me and mm -hmm. was still trying to like she's like okay you know it's fine yeah. fight or flight calm down right yeah you're missing uh, time yeah yeah, yeah yeah nothing's wrong um so then she's like go ahead and start getting dressed and then ryan was able to come back and get me and they wheeled me out in a wheelchair i guess just still from anesthesia right to make yeah. sure you're not unsteady and everything um and they normally don't recommend because of the nausea to not eat afterward but I was hungry and I was looking for because you can't have anything so I was looking forward to like my coffee and I told Ryan I was like I really want some donuts and so being the sweetheart he was we I'm went like, to Starbucks and <laughs> we went to a couple of donut places but by this time it was later in the morning yeah. and a lot of places were sold out so I think we went to three different yeah, places something. or something but finally found some finally found some and we were but, so excited to get donuts yes <laughs> One of the things, though, and this is when don't operate under recently waking up from anesthesia, yeah. but um, I had to have my insurance and my license available when I got checked in for the procedure, and I had just put it into the pocket of my sweatpants, and evidently that's still where they were, but when we were getting in and out of the car to try to get donuts. Yeah, a lower, lower sitting car. Yeah, so. my license fell out in the parking lot. 
and praise the Lord, everything is fine. But I we didn't found it. Yeah, at the place. The last we place went back we had been. To the parking lot later. Yeah. Once we realized it was not. It was not till like the next day. No, it day. was. It was a while later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I realized. And, and we went and asked, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah people, yeah, here yeah. It is. yeah, yeah." And they had it taped up. They were so sweet. Yep. So, you know, be responsible if you have to go yes. with your stuff. So in retrospect, I should have just given it to Ryan, but I obviously wasn't thinking. Um, so then we were told, you know, after the procedure that we were going to have a follow-up in two weeks to discuss the results with our doctor, um, but we were going to be on vacation. We were able to go to Durango, um, Colorado, which is beautiful, highly recommended if you've never been. Mm -hmm. And this um, was like a late October time frame? Uh, early but, October, because okay. we were trying to see the leaves at that time. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, with the aspens, yeah. Um, and so, and I was still convinced I'm like, we're going to get pregnant because we just got off the birth control, mm -hmm. but, and we're in Durango, Colorado, and we're, in Durango, Colorado. And we're doing right. all the things that's in right. a private cabin. And, that's right. Yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah. private things, you know, <laughs> that's how babies um, are made. That's right. That's right. <laughs> True. Um, but anyway, you know, the doctor had actually wanted me to stay on the birth control even after the procedure, like to resume it. Because once again, they wanted to control the environment and they wanted to set my body up for retrieval. So mm -hmm. I guess in their brain, they were still thinking, yeah, we'll do your hysteroscopy to make you feel better and check stuff. But we still want to move forward with the retrieval if you're okay with it. Um, so, but I was like, nope, I don't want to be on this birth control. I guess still thinking that we were just going to get pregnant naturally. And yeah, that was part of it. And then I think the the additional part was just we weren't quite there yet. There yeah, we for convinced, convinced or yeah. yeah about IVF. Yeah. So and we started yeah. discussing it while and we were on this trip too, like the drive and while we were there, we were really discussing what we wanted to do and moving forward and right. how we felt about it and like the so. questions we still had, mm -hmm. right? Because we've talked about how just going through that process, the information just wasn't poured out to us mm -hmm. and explanations. It was very much like, do this, do this, do this, like mm -hmm. we talked about. Um, and it just, the information wasn't there, right? Yeah. So so we wanted to, we in those discussions that we had on vacation, it was kind of like, well, what about this? And mm -hmm. back and forth. And I like, think I'm, I even I started know this answer and typing it up because we were coming up with a lot right. of good questions to get yeah. ready for it. Yeah, I think we did. Um, so... You know, we go see the doctor after we get back from vacation and with these questions and concerns that we had. Mm -hmm. um, and he had stated, you know, at the first visit that if they did retrieve um, and fertilize to make so the eggs and sperm to make the embryo that he wanted to do to freeze them. So normally, like you can do a fresh transfer, which is so then like they make the embryo and then transfer. I think it's within like a couple of days, but they don't normally get to do as much testing on them um, just because it's maybe not as stable or um, they need to do things quickly. But he likes to do frozen embryos and that's because they can test it and then freeze it. And then it has been proven that frozen embryos are normally more successful for implantation than fresh. Because the uh, timing is not so critical. Yeah. And I mean, and just even how it attaches, I'm not okay. quite sure in that sense. Like it doesn't... Um, float up as much maybe there's less chance I think there's even a less chance of ectopic pregnancy where it would float up and attach into your fallopian tube um, because when they put it in there they are still just inserting and it's still going to float around inside of 
your uterus until it attaches and stuff Mm -hmm. or doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, you know, essentially when he was talking about this and looking for those genetic markers to see if it would miscarry or if it was bad, it sounded like they discarded the bad ones. And, you know, our beliefs are that life starts at conception. So whether these were going to be good embryos or not, that didn't matter. This was life. Yeah. Um, And that was one of our main questions that we wanted to follow up with. Right. right? Um, So we did want to discuss that with him and just how the start of life would align with IVF and like work towards this in the regard. So, um, and you know, and this is just our personal opinion and face 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 beliefs. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for those that have done IVF or still going through it, you know, um, your decisions are your own, sure. you know, um, but we it's just, just kind of where we were and we, right in our regard with human life. Yeah. And, and mainly, like we said, we just didn't feel like that had been addressed well right. enough yeah, you know, up and, to this point. And we just wanted and some I, more information. And that's yeah. exactly it. I don't even know um, those of you that have had IVF and you've been successful and all the things. Like if that was even brought up to you, like what they do with the leftover embryos mm-hmm. and everything like that, because mm-hmm. we had to kind of ask about it. That's right. So I don't know if your fertility doctors were good and gave you all the information or if you yourself had to ask about right. it too. Right. Um, so. And that's uh, and one of the options that we talked about last episode was that CNY. Well, that's that clinic. Right. Yeah. Well, that does use the, the donor embryos. The donor embryos. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we had the follow-up with the RE, um, like we were saying, in this October, and he said, you know, my hysteroscopy looked great. The lining of my uterus on the inside had good color, um, no scar tissue, um, and he didn't see any issues. So he was, once again, like, ready to, like, move forward with a retrieval. Mm-hmm. Um but we did bring forward our concerns, um, and you know, and he he really was very intelligent um, in his response and everything like that. So, um, really respect his profession and what mm-hmm. he does. But we did ask him to educate us on this, you know, and he explained that they don't discard the leftover embryos, even if they're good or bad. Right. Um, so what is done with them is our decision. Yeah. So if we want to do discard them if we want to freeze them like they leave that up to yeah. the parents in yeah. a sense right yeah um, legally they they can't because it's our property call, well yes i was gonna say legally they call it our property which mm-hmm. is a little bit you know maybe a little cold wording right that life is our property but right. from a legal point of view that's right that's how he phrased it yeah and so they do storm for you and I, I was trying to think back. Um, I feel like we had checked, or maybe they even told us in the office that it was like three years that insurance yeah. will pay for, and then after that, you're kind of on your own and like a payment plan, yeah, monthly or per year. But it was affordable. Yeah, it seemed a reasonable price. Between Naomi and I, we don't have an exact number that we yeah. both recall, recall the yeah. same way. Because you know, you get um, all this information. So <laughs> I, you know, I have in my mind like one year. She's thinking three. Whether it's with or without insurance, I don't know. But even then, that could be different from clinic to clinic, Mm -hmm. IVF clinic. That's true. And insurance to insurance. Maybe some insurance covers a year, some cover five, who knows. It it could be, but it seemed like once we did or would have had to start paying, it was not a crazy, unaffordable amount. Right. You know. Right. 
So, um, but we had even talked about, we're like, you know, what if something, let's say we did have frozen embryos that were healthy, um, and we passed away. It's like, you know, there's gotta be a legal thing that goes in there because it's like that would pass off to somebody. And if they didn't want to make the payments, what did they do? Or could we set up a funding to protect them? And so it's just, it's a very interesting process, you know, things that you don't normally think about. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is us thinking about that scenario. Yes. Far, far away from that actually being reality. Right. So who knows what we would do, you do like your in that situation. Oh, man. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we've we've kind of done some brainstorms and kind of brain, you know, mind games or whatever yeah. you want to call it of what would we do in this situation. Yeah. yeah. Those kind of scenarios, which is good to yeah. think about, but you know, still we don't know we exactly don't know. what exactly. we would do because we haven't been there yet. Yeah. So. Um, so the RE did tell us, you know, that he is Catholic and he does respect our wishes about life and conception. And he agrees in that. Um, and his solution was that the ones that were the embryos that were not favorable, um, he could just inject them at a later time when I was not trying to get pregnant and I was not pregnant, um, just inject them up in my vagina and just essentially allow my body to flush them out naturally. Mm -hmm. So, um, my body would be ridding them rather than putting them up in the uterus and causing extra problems. Right. So, Which was to pr- protect you. Yes. He didn't, yes. he said he didn't want to like real, the do the real depositor right. trans, transfer of right. a bad embryo because it could be dangerous to right. you. Right. right. So, yeah. so um, there's a, ba- a balance or a, right. I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose my words today, That's okay. but compromise yeah, is what compromise. I'm looking for of, you know, do what we we would like to do, how we would like your own body to discard them right. or get rid of right. them while still not putting you in danger. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's a good phrasing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we had discussed, I think, in the last episode about the possibility of having multiple healthy embryos left over and what would we do, you know, but he discussed the different things of like adoption and donation and different things like that. So once again, I mean, he's very well educated on what it was, but we did still leave the office unsure mm-hmm. of like how we wanted to do. We yeah. did. We were less unsure get things answered. about yeah. some of our questions and things like that, but we were still not confident one way or the other. To like fully move forward. Whether we wanted to do yeah. it or not. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and this was the other thing too, during this discussion, the RE, he was saying, um, so remember he told us 10% at our first visit back in August or July when we had the consultation. Well, now after the hysteroscopy, he's like, no, you guys are at like 5%. And I'm like, how did we go down from that? I don't know if it's because now we had the blood results that showed things were good and the hysteroscopy showed things were good. So now mm-hmm. he's like, well, I really don't know what's going on, but that means that your chances are even lower. Yeah. So he's like, but we could really increase this, you know, with IVF. Yeah. And we did ask him about, I mean, I asked him about the IUI. I was like, which is the inner uterine insemination, essentially, you know, just um, like a turkey baser, right? Yeah. But um, still you're given ovulation medicine, you're giving a trigger shot to really make sure that you ovulate, but then you still have to go into the office and they inject your partner's like, you know, semen up in you and everything like that. And then they check in with you a day or so later to see like how you're feeling because you're not supposed to do anything. And then you're supposed to take a pregnancy test like within mm-hmm. a certain amount of time. 
to see if it was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he told us, he was like, well, that's just timed intercourse essentially. Right. So I don't think that's right for you guys. Right. And I was going to say, even with the 5%, I was sitting here thinking that's one out of 20. Yeah. And we've definitely had sex more than 20 times <laughs> in the last four years. So with the five I was like five or 10%. Both of those seem way too high to me. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, just with this, office you know like I said the RE was good but we really still felt like a number you know Um, I especially felt that way with the billing department Um, the lady that I dealt with initially from this clinic was very abrupt and pretty much was like I guess in some sense kind of treated me like I was an idiot because I didn't know all the things that my insurance offered Mm. because we found out through his work that they have an entirely different insurance branch for yeah. fertility issues, yeah. which is wonderful, but we didn't know because we hadn't had to use it yet. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you guys have figured that out with your insurance. And it know? makes the whole process, that just adds another layer of complication yeah. to the whole process. Yeah. So yeah, so, no insurance companies communicate directly with doctor's right. offices, apparently, right. at least none of ours do. Yeah. So to add another side insurance company just made another right. point different in the chain. ID, different things like that. And we had to get like approval. Yeah. So once we finally found out that, and the, the company was called Progeny. So you guys might've heard of it. And I mean, and it's a great company. It's mm-hmm. um, wonderful in what it does. And it does provide you a little bit more support, I would say, than what even the fertility office did. Yeah. Um, but we were just kind of confused on how to access this and how to get it. And they pretty much just were like, well, duh, don't you know you have this? Right. Like, no, no. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Um, so we did get good information from Progeny um, and they had, it was a nurse, you know, that, that deal with it. So they're very well medically versed. Yeah. Um, and they even provided a little bit more of a sympathetic ear. Um, and that just really dawned on me in the sense this process is so stressful as yeah. it is. I was surprised that the fertility office didn't offer things like counseling or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, maybe some offices do. That, that was mm-hmm. just not my experience with this one. Um, but it is a very taxing thing. You know, like I said, all the insurance, all the payment stuff you have to do, all the fertility medications, all the blood draws, um, you know, your constant communication. You're in and out of the office a lot if you decide to move forward with mm-hmm. IVF or IUI. And like um, you said, like this whole situation – Mm-hmm. that we're in mm-hmm. being infertile we wouldn't choose no. to be here yeah. we don't we would rather this not be the case this not be the reality right. that we're yeah that we're having to live in right now but we're here mm-hmm. right and the way that they're interacting with us makes us not even want to be there right. like not like, even I'd rather be have that. a baby in my arms than being in your office yeah be a little nice you know? yeah and it's like the least yeah. you could do is be like empathetic to the yeah. situation. Right. And, and, some, and train really, your some staff members that were. Right. Yeah, some, some of them were. We, but, we yeah. unfortunately just had some sour grapes out of the bunch. The rest of everybody was really great. You know, like I yeah. said, this is just our experience with an office does not mean true. all of these offices are like that. And, you know, you guys could have had a wonderful experience yeah. and recommend it to everyone. So this yeah. is, like I said, just ours. And even but, to say, like, if you are looking for a clinic for IVF, you know, try more than just one we only mm-hmm. did the one mm-hmm. right so this is our only data point, yeah this so. this one was probably the most recommended though yeah. for the area and to be fair they honestly did a lot of stuff 
more than what I was used to even hearing about from other clinics um, back east where I'm from. Um, their steps were a little bit more se sequential and not as randomized with stuff. So I did feel um, that they knew what they were doing. I just didn't feel like maybe included in the process yeah. other than yeah. it's your body that we have right. to do these things too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the other thing we found out though, too, um, kind of like what I was mentioning in the last video with one of my friends where she, when she had ovarian dysfunction, insurance covered everything. But then when she got switched to infertility, they stopped covering it. Mm. Well, with our insurance, with progeny, um, we're given like so many rounds to do things with it, whether it's IVF retrieval, um, transfer, IUI, yeah. everything. But the only bad thing is, is once you're pregnant, they're done. They, they accomplished their goal. That doesn't yeah. even mean you could have a miscarriage again. Yeah. You wouldn't carry to term, but because you got pregnant, yeah. the insurance is out and everything else is now your financial responsibility. Yeah. So that's messed up. Too. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you really wish that they would be a little more supportive yeah. over just the one. I mean, I understand they can't yeah. do everything, but we're paying a good sum yeah. for this, and, stuff, right? And like we said, this is our only data point. So right. if you all have had similar experiences, you know, if you feel so bold, leave it in the comments or send us a message. Yeah. And let us know some, you know, because like we said, what one of our goals with this podcast is to bring awareness. Bring awareness. Mm -hmm. And that includes insurance mm -hmm. and the process mm -hmm. and, you know, help along the way and all yeah. this. And it's like, Another it really ought to be or, yeah. a better than we've experienced yeah. as far as that goes right okay. better whatever that means but um you know if if we have enough maybe we can raise awareness to enough to, to get something improved yeah which is you know which of, would be awesome like I said, right? one of our and goals help so. everyone so yeah um so and like we said i mean i am still grateful for insurance i feel very blessed to um have a husband that has a job that has good insurance like that to provide things so I don't want to dismiss that either because mm -hmm. insurance really can be a blessing. Mm -hmm. This is just one of those areas where it's got like a little bit of a weak point, right? Mm -hmm. um, so after we learned our results, we were talking about the next steps and talking with insurance. I mean, we had, I don't know, multiple calls with Progeny and the nurse, which they were, like I said, so sweet to talk to us. And then even through the portal again from the fertility clinic and through Progeny. But I was just feeling really overwhelmed. Yeah. And... I still didn't know really what to do. And I was like, I think we just need to take a break. You know, I'm like, my brain can't handle it anymore. My body can't handle it. I'm just feeling stressed. Emotions, a lot. Emotional. Yeah. And, yeah. and and not fully feeling like I had a decision yet from God. I mean, we're praying about it. We're, we're asking what we should do. And, but maybe, you know, with all of this back and forth struggle of not getting clear answer, that was our answer. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you're not quite seen it that way you're maybe looking for something a little bit more solid mm -hmm. um but so i said let's take a break ryan he's like okay i'm like yeah. we're gonna take a break from november to january yeah and, that, and a break meaning we're not gonna i wasn't gonna monitor, test, I wasn't we're not gonna, gonna monitor. yeah no we were, we're still having sex yes <laughs> not a break from sex just yeah. to be clear everybody but it was a break from the the tunnel vision yeah. of I'm going to do, or we are going to do everything necessary to get pregnant. Yeah. Right. We were going to take a break from that. Yeah. But then in um, true woman fashion, maybe some of you are better than me in that, I changed my mind. Yeah. So I only did one month 
of no tracking and then was like, let's get back yeah. at it. Heard and something else that we should try. Yeah, you know, because some... I get inspired. You know, you have those down slumps and then I'm like, oh, yeah, light bulb. This, this is what we this should is check. Be, this yeah. is what we should And so I got monitor, all motivated yeah. again. I got like, new supplements and I was tracking stuff and I was excited and yeah. I was like, maybe this would work. And the office said we were in good shape, so why can't we get pregnant right. naturally, right? And so this is just me with still wanting to be in control, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and there is good and bad of that. Like, you know, whenever you have a problem, you can kind of work towards that. But with me, since we didn't really know what the problem was, I was trying to figure out all these deductive reasoning things that I could do to still be in control and feel like I was doing something and not just being lazy or mm -hmm. whatever, um, but then, and Ryan seems still pretty relaxed about it at the good, at the same time, but yeah. we were trying to rely on God's power for like just strength and like give us the right motivation. Um, but this kind of led into a little bit where I thought he was more relaxed. This kind of led into maybe feeling a little yeah. more so overwhelmed I, on his point. So I was, yeah, I was always relaxed about it because like you said, trusting in God and the right timing and these kind of things. But what... I think this is the time when I started noticing. Maybe so. Naomi had talked about parts of the IVF process mm -hmm. that she was not Happy keen about, on, like, right? Yeah. Aside from the embryos and life happening at conception and what we're going to do with the embryos, aside from even all that, mm -hmm. to get to that point the process of, you know, going in Constant all the time, you were monitoring in every day, your, blood, all of your right, hormones and all these yep. things and, and injections and all this. Mm -hmm. She was not excited about that. And I can imagine why, like it makes sense that that's not fun. And the emotional stress that that was going to go, that would, you would have to go through for that and mm -hmm. just all these things. Right. So she is, wasn't excited about yeah, it. And I completely understood that. Um, but at this point, I started to think back at all the things we had done instead of IVF mm -hmm. since even the first time it came up, which had been at this point, about what, a year, six months to yeah. a year yeah. where kind of, we were at the point of where we could have done IVF or it first came up or these mm -hmm. kind of things, but we were looking for alternatives for that whole time. And this point is kind of where it started entering my mind of, just from a logical standpoint, engineering background of I'm still seeing my wife struggle emotional, emotionally with not getting pregnant mm -hmm. and trying new things and Very still yeah. tracking stuff on her body mm -hmm. every day or every other day in five different ways or so, or however many, five. I mean, but like yeah. the, the strips and the, and the, and the, tests with the different apparatus yeah and yeah. the different things like and it's just temperature and all yeah, that. Check, yeah just checking all these things and the supplements and the this yeah. and it's this up and down of not working and i'm like i am witnessing you having anxiety and negative anyway. impacts yeah. from this the same way you talked about being worried about those negative impacts being related to idea mm -hmm. so this is when i started thinking that. i hadn't brought any of this up to her yet but i think this is when it started entering my mind and we'll do I think a whole podcast on this yeah which which expands on this kind of time and it's probably from this point six months to a year down the road that yeah. we finally really get he, into he did talk about it a little bit but maybe not 
fully get to it because we did, you know, we have a lot of good discussions when we go on walks and everything. So um, definitely encourage whatever is a good way for you to communicate with your partner going on drives or walks yeah. or whatever. Encourage them to have discussions. But um, he did talk about some of that. But also just um, I think this was when, you know, even yeah. just into our sex life. And we have a whole episode where we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But um, he was just getting frustrated because I was kind of a little intense of like, hey, it's mm. go time. Let's do it. You know, that's right. And, and it I took was, some of the fun out of it. That's right. right. And I was probably actually the most excited about when you were saying like, take we're going to take a break. That meant that we're just going to have sex to have sex. Right. In my mind. Right. Not and I was, baby. And I was excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Like not timed or not. Right. You know, planned out per the rules, yeah. or it's been so many hours or not, or whatever. Right. Probably deep down subconsciously, I was most excited about that. And then going back to, okay, we're going to try again, I was like, <laughs> you know, like, oh man. Sorry. And yeah. so it's, I and mean, in retrospective, I, I mean, I can laugh about it, but I mean, he's right, because I was, I mean, I was very sympathetic to it. I definitely understood, but in my brain, too, I was still planning and yeah. processing and I probably um missed some of the signs you know I mean I, I would I would check in with him yeah he, he hadn't got to that point to where he could fully tell me all of his thoughts yet like he would mention it but maybe not to the eventual um level it got to right you know and so. I, I mean part of it too for me was I knew that I needed to give you time to process. go through your process and be convinced of whatever we end up mm -hmm. doing, mm -hmm. right? Wherever we end up going, whatever the next step is, we both have to. We have to be in agreement. Be in agreement yeah. on it, and we both have to want yeah. it. Because what what I don't want is for us to say start IVF, mm -hmm. and you don't really want to do it, mm -hmm. and you know all that kind of stuff. And that's you know. Right. So whatever we do, I knew we had to do it together. Yes. So that's kind of where I was coming from. I was like, well, I see it. We'll see what happens, you know. And we both and there will continue be, to pray together, too, that's right. and ask the Lord to guide us through this. And, that's right. And he continued to work on each of us because eventually I calmed down a little bit, and eventually he opens up a little bit more. So God is always working in these different yeah. trials and these yeah. relationships, you know. And I have, I mean, two, um, T-O-O, two, <laughs> the, um, you know, you asking the question mm -hmm. has always been an indication to me that, you're at least ready to talk about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas before, you know, I, I didn't want it to sound like I was trying to convince you to do right. something that I, I knew at least at that time you, you weren't convinced about doing or right. didn't want to do for whatever reason. So, I mean, one, I think, you know, for the women out there who have these these kind of relationships, I guess, is or a little more type A. One way or the other. Yeah, it's like, you know, Asking the question, I think, for a lot of guys is an indication of, you know, hey, we're willing to talk about it. And one thing I think since we got married or since we were dating that we've done is, hey, if you're going to ask the question, or you need to be ready, you for, the need to be ready for the yeah. true answer, regardless of what that, even if that answer is not what you want right. to hear. Right. Right. So we know between each other, asking the question is it at least an opportunity to say the truth, mm -hmm. even if that 
course, don't be mean about it or right. you know yeah. these kind of things. This should but be it's not a way an open to, that's right and um, accepting place when you're talking right. with your right. your spouse, your partner, and stuff. Yeah. So, so both ways, if you don't hear what you want to hear, mm-hmm. take a pause, take a breath. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't reply right off. You know, off the cuff or anything, but let it process and have the conversations and yeah, I think just going through that. But I mean. I think all of this last part is that, you know, the communication between the two is important yeah. and making sure that you're on the same page and want the same. I mean, it takes two to make a baby. That's right. So you whether know, it's sex or yeah, another way. But right? I mean, you know, in all respect too. I mean, there's obviously going to be different single parents and different things out there. And that's just, I mean, that's well and beautiful in itself. But, I mean, the original design is to have, you know, two people come together to make life, right? And so um, that is a big decision. And we want to make sure that we're on the same page, that we're communicating, that we are walking Mm -hmm. with the Lord in the same way so that he will continue to bless our relationship, Mm -hmm. too, you know? Because this is is where it starts, you know? I mean, having a kid is wonderful and fantastic, but... Your spouse still yeah. needs to be the number one, yeah. for sure. Also, yeah. by design, that sh- once they're born, they should only be around for 18 or so years. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so you will need a relationship. Yes, um, for sure. You know, for sure. af- after yeah. that happens, too. So you yeah. know, don't forget to, you know, continue dating and continue yeah. building yeah. and nurturing that relationship yeah. while the kids are around as well. So, anyway. Yeah, so. I digress a little bit. No, that's okay. I mean, it's all good relationship device or advice. Just whatever you're going through, right? You know, keep God at your center and work on your communication. I mean, we're talking about it in a fertility aspect, but I mean, it could be in mm-hmm. finances, right. it could be in a family dynamic, it can be in work related, mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. So right. all of that is teamwork. Yeah. Yep. Teamwork. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. So in the sense, we're back. You know. So now we are you know, struggling with my control and taking a break and trying new things and still trying to figure out why we are on this crazy journey. Um, But the scripture we have for this lesson is Proverbs 3, verse 5, and it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Whew, Mm -hmm. right? Because... Easier said than done. It is, but you know... (laughs) It's such yeah. a a good perspective to bring it back around to be like God is in control whether of all the situations we only see our little bubble where we yeah. are, we're in we don't see the whole big picture of how He's using us to impact lives I mean here we are now creating this podcast yeah. to like relate with others and stuff yeah. um, how we interact with different people in the fertility clinic the different friends that I have made through this journey mm-hmm. you know different people we've talked in our church different mm-hmm. relationships with family members, you know, it's, um, it's really cool when you are able to see some of that perspective, but sometimes you don't see it until a little later. Mm-hmm. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's all we have for this episode. Um, thank you again for joining us and mm-hmm. we'll close out in prayer. So, uh, dear heavenly father, thank you again for just this episode and being able to share our story. And I pray for all of the IVF clinics out there and those of our listeners that are possibly done that or going to be doing that Lord that you would just give them favor and good communication with the staff and the doctors and that you would um, have the doctors really listen to them and just 
bless those interactions and just continue to um, use our story to give you glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.